0: Hey, you're listening to tech talks with lou and i'm lou Temlet. i hope you have me a good day and i'm really thankful for you listening so this is tech talks with lou the show in which i discuss the top tech secrets for success from the best in today's digital world last time i spoke with shane koja global change maker serial entrepreneur and founder of thriving.ai We spoke about her work in Afghanistan as a global tech entrepreneur with financial inclusion products and also her work in creating Thriving.ai, very much around person-centered technology, the benefits of prototyping and the importance of usability. If you haven't already listened, head back after this episode and let me know what you think. My guest today launched their science animation and training company just over 10 years ago helping scientists communicate their research to expert and non-expert audiences in a creative and inspiring way. I'd like to welcome Dr. Vary Towler to my podcast. Morning, Vari. How are you?
1: Fine, thanks, Lou. Thanks for having
0: me. You're very welcome. Now, we're, we're connected through the um, NatWest Business Accelerator, and it was an absolute pleasure to be kind of grouped with you and various others on our programme. And uh, throughout this episode, we'll find out more about your work and your inspiration, bringing science and animation and creativity and tech together. So let's start at the beginning with your background in science.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um, I trained as a scientist originally at the University of Dundee. So I have a degree in biochemistry and after I finished that degree, I moved on to do a PhD in Molecular and Cell Biology. After that, I decided that I was going to do a postdoctoral research position. And I had the opportunity to go and live in San Francisco for four years. And I did a what was called a Wellcome Trust Travelling Fellowship. So I was fortunate to receive funding for that position. Um, I did that research position but one of the stipulations of it was to come back to the UK after it had finished so I decided that I was going to come back to Dundee because it was really a great department for life sciences. I came back to finish off that fellowship there and I did further Postdoctoral work at Dundee University, looking at cell metabolism. I was working on a particular protein called AMP kinase. For anybody out there who who knows metabolism, they'll know that protein. And I stayed in that lab for another six years or so, worked on sort of muscle physiology, etc. And then it was at that point that I thought, what shall I do next?
0: So what, um, tell me how you got into sciences, because, you know, throughout kind of education, there are lots of different um, specialisms that any
1: of us could kind of choose. So why specifically the sciences? So I grew up on a farm, actually, and um, my dad was the farm manager and he used to get us to do this sort of exercise every few months, it was through a a local paper called the Farmers Weekly, and it was for kids of, you know, farmers, basically, Um, and it was called the Country Spotters Club. So we had to draw and write about what we were seeing around about us on the farm in the countryside, etc. And I think that's what um, sparked my interest, I guess, in the natural world. So I spent a lot of time sort of writing these journals. It was like a diary, basically, of what was happening throughout the year. And I drew some pictures not the best but you know I started to draw um, and I really enjoyed that kind of illustrating what was going on around me so I got interested in sort of biology I suppose and then yep. at school I did a number of subjects and enjoyed biological sciences so then when I was applying for universities and looking around um, I do remember that the university prospectus for Dundee had this fabulous picture on the front of it of a cell that was lit up with a a fluorescent dye. (laughs) That attracted me and I thought, oh, what's that? And it was, you know, it was under the biochemistry department. And I just thought, I don't really know what biochemistry is, but it looks amazing. So let's do that. <laughs> so that's I, love I, it. I love it.
0: I love it. My my recollection of kind of science and education, mm. you know, equally around kind of drawings, describing, you know, science processes. Mm. Um, for me, being kind of creative, technical. And I I did fairly well at sciences, kind of bringing all that together. And I, I most remember kind of loving coming up with a conclusion and being able to articulate you know, the conclusion of, a, of an experiment mm-hmm. um, and just the process. I kind of love stepping through. But I love hearing about your inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cover of a, a prospectus because it had a very cool looking cell on it. Yeah. Um, it was all lit up. Um, I love that, that there's kind of creative inspiration in, uh, yeah. in your kind of career direction and, and yeah. maybe somewhat unknown from, from that perspective.
1: Yeah. And then when I you know, when I was doing my PhD, I did have a great mentor. Um, in fact, quite a few mentors in the department who were cell biologists. And I think when I started to look down the microscope at what was going on in, inside cells and realised that there were dynamic processes, it wasn't just like a still picture. You know, things are yeah. moving around and zooming around inside the cell. I couldn't believe that this was actually all happening inside a cell. It kind of blew my mind and I was like... Well, I want to know more. How are these proteins moving around inside the cell and and the tools that you had as a scientist to label different proteins with different coloured dyes. So you could have red, green, you could have blue for the nucleus, etc. You could have all sorts of different colours. And these powerful microscopes that we had um, access to at Dundee were just phenomenal in terms of being able to, you know, figure out what was going on inside the cells. So this was yes. what really interested me. So it was always a visual kind of, you know, part that I was interested in.
0: Yes, and it sounds it sounds incredible. I've it's been years since I've looked down a microscope, uh, certainly anything uh, of any kind of power or magnitude. Um, to be able to see the sorts of things that you may well have seen but mm-hmm. maybe some of the listeners have kind of experience of that um, I've got in my mind you know that the kind of kaleidoscopes as a child with all the kind of yes. crystals I'm sure they don't have I'm sure they're not allowed them anymore maybe <laughs> um, but but kind of the moving pieces and, and the colors and the kind of mm-hmm. that that for me is the kind of um, interesting uh, thing. Yeah, yeah just just the kind of base level of what you might be seeing yeah. in terms of movement and colour.
1: Absolutely. I I can't
0: kind of relate what you might have seen in the cells to anything Mm -hmm. in the natural world that is visible by the eye. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that, you know, you could use to, you know, analyze? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think your analogy of the kaleidoscope is is a good one, Um, although that's quite sort of geometric in nature sometimes, whereas the cell is more organic, um, the structures that you see. But you know, that's kind of then what led me on to move into the, the art sphere, because at that time there was um, an email came round to take part in a science and art project, um, they called them art Projects, and um, that was a project called Designs for Life with an artist called Paul Harrison, who worked at the art college, which was part of the university. And as part of his PhD, he wanted to work with scientists to use the data that we were producing in the lab, but to create artworks and screen prints from those pieces of data and translate them for a different audience. So for the general public. And that's how um, I kind of moved into the art world because of that project. So I started working on that project and it involved going out to local schools, doing some outreach work. We took a microscope out to a local primary school. The kids could have a look down, and then they could create their own sort of slides using acetate and you know colored pens and whatnot and they yeah. had a brilliant time you know looking at cells, making their own interpretations of that and then the whole project so he worked with twelve different scientists across a year and um, we each got a month to work as an apprentice printer, and we created um four or five screen prints each um there was also a dancer who was commissioned to do a piece of choreography around the artwork or around the sorry, the images that I'd created using the microscope. And because they were muscle cells, that kind of naturally led itself to movement. So she kind of integrated movement over, wow. over the cells and the film um, that she made in the end was amazing. So that whole project was fantastic to take part in. And um, There was also a book written about it at the end. So each scientist contributed a chapter. There was lots of other people involved as well so it was yeah. a really exciting project to be part of and we got to go to um, exhibit it actually in Vilnius in 2009 when it was the European capital of culture at the graphic art studio in Vilnius Um so that was just a brilliant experience and I loved it so much that I wanted to do more so I was like well what else can I do um, in terms of um, translating what I'm doing in the lab for a wider audience but using yeah sort of different media and at that point in time I was doing some lectures for my supervisor and um, he was a, a big cheese in the AMP Kinase field so um, Professor Graham Hardy and he was off around the world um, at conferences so I asked could I take on some of his teaching and it was really part of a, another qualification a postgraduate um, certificate in teaching and learning in higher education. And as part of that, I had to um, ask how could I make my lectures more exciting for students, and I thought um, animation was one way to do that. And of course, this was you know quite a number of years ago now. You know, science animations are all over YouTube now, but yes. then it was still quite new. And so I teamed up with some animators from the local art college, Janice Aiken and some students, and we made an animation of a cell which I used in my teaching, and the we won a prize for innovative teaching through the university, et cetera. Um, the students really enjoyed using it as a revision tool as well. So that's kind of what got me into animation. And then I started to research the area, and I thought, actually, I think there's a bit of a niche market here for creating visuals and animations to help scientists bring their science to life for... Yeah. Whatever purpose it was, whether it was teaching, whether it was um, for outreach, whether it was for when they go to scientific conferences and stand up on a stage and they want to be like the rock star scientists with their cool graphics (laughs) behind them. So that's when I started exploring could I set up a business in this area? Ah.
0: You're listening to Tech Talks with Lou, and I'm Lou Temlett. And today I'm talking with Dr. Vari Towler, CEO of Vivo Motion, bringing science to life. So, Vari, science is generally a quite um a dry subject, but you've really brought creativity kind of to the the forefront from all of your experiences. For me, there, there's you know lots of value in being able to see and articulate things visually rather than read lots of kind of data reports and, you know, that experts produce. Yes, there needs to be that level of um, detail, I imagine, for science, uh, evidence, you know, research and all sorts of other things. But your role as CEO um, of Vivo Motion is now to bring all of that together for experts um, as well as non-experts. So tell me, you started kind of talking about you know, founding your business uh, through all the kind of creativity and science and the cell animation. Tell me a bit more.
1: Okay, so yeah, I went along to a sort of professional development training programme that was run at the university at the time. It was through organisational professional development and it was called Venture and it was run by a woman called Janet Wilkinson and it sort of was a training programme that ran over about six months so um, we kind of attended courses once a month and then you had to work on your business plan in between times so the first part of the course was all about you know being in a a kind of open-minded state of mind um, divergent thinking and you know kind of brainstorming around your business idea then applying convergent thinking, you know, realism, is it actually going to work? What skills are you lacking all of this? And then there was a bit about, you know, how are you going to fund it? And who do you know who can sort of help you? So that, in the, that's in a nutshell what we did on venture. And my business idea was sort of developed over the six months. And Janet was very supportive. And she kind of said, you know, I really think this could be a business idea that could take off. And at that point, you know, I was coming to the end of my postdoc contract and I was thinking, I don't really want to do another postdoctoral research position. I don't have an idea that I want to set up my own research group with. And I just thought, well, this could be what's meant to be. But I realised, obviously, that I had no training in animation. So I didn't know how to make an animation. I didn't know what software to use. I didn't know enough about the process so I thought right okay I'm going to bite the bullet and go back to university and retrain and do a master's in animation and visualization so I did that for a a year um, and it was all with a view of you know setting up the business at the end of that so throughout that year I also did a number of business training programs that were on offer locally through business gateway there was also um night class that i did on entrepreneurship at the university wow um, that sounds like you've really kind of brought on
0: board every learning aspect yeah you're absolutely going for this yeah i was just a year course everything
1: (laughs) i was just so committed i was like i'm going to do this um i'm jumping in and i'm just going to throw everything at it and at the end of the year um you know i just started the business and i was fortunate that i managed to get an office on the university campus for the first year of my my trading, um, which was you know provided by the university. And yeah, I just thought, okay, I need to get my first customer. Um, first customer came through previous, you know, networks that I had. And that was it. Off I was, off I went and started the business. Um, so yeah, so that's how how it all started. And then, you know, since then, obviously, it's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down. It's, you know, it's it's difficult and the business has kind of evolved. So we now no longer just do animations or graphics, but we also do training for researchers in lots of different disciplines. It started off just for scientists, but then um, I quickly realised that it really didn't matter what discipline people were working in if they needed help with preparing visuals for research dissemination then the topics yep. that I was teaching were kind of generic so I now teach those at universities all over the UK and also Europe so that's a sort of second part of the business that's developed that I wouldn't have thought would you know that wasn't why I started the business but that bit has developed so yeah. um, we always say that you you will you know not necessarily pivot, but the the business will evolve in different directions from what why you initially started it. so so that's where I'm at now. um and I'm still you know thinking of new um potential income streams for the business as well.
0: Yes. Now, that's fantastic to be able to kind of pull together all of your learning and to teach others. So tell me a bit about the training and expand on that a bit. So is that how to, you know, use data and visualise it?
1: Is it creative,
0: creative kind of things or (laughs) is it more scientific?
1: yeah it's a bit of both i mean i think um it kind of came out of the fact that i had moved from science into the art world and i realized quickly there was a lot of things that i learned at art college that i really wished i'd known when i was a scientist in terms of you know basic graphic design principles so one of the well all of the courses really that i run are all around the theme of visual presentation of research so one of them is poster design that's for People who are going to academic conferences they might need to prepare a poster um or if they're doing public engagement events they would have to make a poster for that but it would be a completely different poster to the one that they would use at a scientific or academic yes. conference um, there's data visualization so I talk through basic graphic design principles for that as well and how to design data viz and infographics um, there's one that I do which is how to create a short animation about your research and again this is just something it's not like a complex 3D animation that people will make it will be a a short sort of 2D animation but it's to do with storytelling and again relaying their research to a more general audience so it is a skill that a lot of academics will have to develop um, throughout their life um, as an academic and you know funding bodies expect people to engage with lots of different stakeholders, including the general public. So being able to translate that and using animation is a really engaging way to get the public on board with what you're researching and why you're researching it. And then there's things like, you know, just thinking about visuals for public engagement events, etc. So, and then the final kind of workshop that I do is all about career choices and how to choose your next career step, and whether that's within academia or beyond academia so quite often there's basically a bottleneck of researchers coming up and not everybody realistically is going to get a position as a researcher at a university so what other careers can you consider um, using the skills that you've developed as a researcher so they're called transferable skills and um, that's one of the, the new workshops that I've done and yeah, I've also launched a podcast myself which is all about careers after a science degree so again that's just to highlight the number of different careers on offer because I think if anyone had said to me oh you could be a scientific animator when I was doing my PhD I would have jumped at the chance then but I didn't know about it so it's creating that awareness for people in terms of what options they have. Absolutely.
0: Do you have a website but still don't feel you're getting enough engagement? Do you wonder why your competitors' websites seem to be performing better? Well, Lutech are currently offering a free website and social media health scan to give you a benchmark idea into how your site and accounts are currently performing. Lutech's mission is to get as many of the 9 million inactive websites in the UK active with regular content that will bring your SEO Google ranking to the top 10 in your sector with its monthly subscription, including hosting, security, SEO development, and social media content, so you can be found by your ideal clients. Register now at lutech.co.uk forward slash healthscan for your free website and social media review. You're listening to Tech Talks with Lou, and I'm Lou Temlett and today I'm talking with Vari Towler, CEO of Vivo Motion, bringing science to life. So, Vari, you also mentioned the word storytelling, which I think is an incredibly key concept in you know anything to do with kind of tech and creative and kind of science that may be overlooked. You know, communicating anything is about being able to tell a story. And it sounds like you're bringing all of those things and concepts as well as, you know, opening the ideas to other careers in the science or from kind of a science background to people in education. But it is that key storytelling piece. So what are your kind of techniques when, you know, creating animation to get the, the story or the message across?
1: Yeah, so it's a good, a good point. Um, I think what I often say to researchers is, you know, we do start that particular workshop looking at writing a script about what their research is about. And so um, for a very short, concise script, that's one of the things that I kind of say as well. You need to be short and concise for animation because we don't want like a 10 minute animation. Yep. Nobody's going to be able to create that much animation. Well, the could, but it would take a long time.
0: (laughs) It would, Um, it would take a very long time, and I think that's one of the things that is overlooked. You might imagine, you know, storytelling and and kind of creative animation to be quite lengthy, but um, you know, we all know that the lifespan of, you know, uh, Instagram reels or TikTok. You know, we're talking two yeah. to three seconds if that, that is, yeah. so it's getting that message across in that short yeah. space of time
1: so so being concise that's the first thing which is really quite difficult for academics because we're kind of used to waffling on in long lengthy words and <laughs> using (laughs) language that people don't understand so it's getting rid of the jargon one of the things that you know i keep saying to people is you know why are you doing your research and because sometimes it's very difficult if you're doing something very abstract in physics Mm -hmm. for example you're working on photonics or something how do you make that relatable to your audience so how do you make people relate with it and then yeah just you know what what's your kind of main points so maybe try and get three points in or maybe just one main point and then what's your sort of ask do you want people to do something as a result of um, seeing your animation do you want them to get in touch do you want them to take part in a study what is it you want them to do so it's kind of quite you know there is a structure to it Um there's a hook at the beginning etc so it's fairly structured and then what I do is I do like a free writing technique with them so I give them like three minutes and they have to write their script um, so it doesn't have to be grammatically correct it's just whatever's in their head and then after we've done that they get another half an hour or so to kind of polish the script and it is absolutely incredible the standard of stories that come out of that short time so when I put them under pressure and they get 30 minutes or 33 minutes um, to come up with the script it's amazing what people come up with in that short time and they just blow me away every time it's like so good
0: I can imagine, you know, the, you spend years, month, months, maybe years studying and kind of getting to the detail, but actually mm-hmm. to focus people on a different trajectory that is literally minutes or seconds long yeah. really allows people to concentrate their kind of mindset yeah. in, in a completely different way. And it sounds like everyone that you're connecting with is able to do that really quite easily. Yeah.
1: Well, it's something that I just, it surprises me because if I'm working with clients for Vivo Motion, let's say we're making an animation for somebody as a commission, mm-hmm. um, I'll ask them to come up with a script. And sometimes it can take weeks, months, you know, for a script to come through. We just yeah. came along to one of my workshops and <laughs> um, we could do the whole thing in half an hour and be ready to go on to the next sort of step, which is storyboarding. So yes, yeah, so it's yeah. um, it is amazing what people can achieve in that short space of time. So so,
0: so maybe there's some learnings back for your uh, Vivo Motion and, and yeah. brief brief from clients.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: oh, fantastic! So I'd like to know advice for anyone kind of in the science industry or you know kind of creative, the cross pollination, I guess. get into one over the other the the benefits some of the the tips um, and advice that you would give somebody in in either one of those fields Um, because it sounds like bringing them all together Mm. sounds like the perfect hybrid of creativity science kind of technical but how would anyone go about being inspired or, or kind of getting involved in those things
1: yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there's loads of scientists that I know who are very creative people and they have hobbies, like they like doing photography as a hobby, for example, or they or they do ceramics, you know, as a hobby. And I do think, you know, scientists are very creative people. I don't think, you know, I think that's a misnomer that people who are scientists are not creative, because I think they are. And I think now in universities, that's kind of being recognised more, and there's quite a few master's programmes cropping up that Combine science and art together. So, if somebody's interested in that, you know, maybe have a look into different master's programmes um, that combine the two. I know, um, again, it's just at Dundee, but there's like a medical art one. There's also one called um, Art, Science, and Visual Thinking. Um, So, there's, and that's just at Dundee. I'm sure that there are those um, at different places, but also science communication is a huge field now that probably wasn't as developed when I was a student. And I think. You know, people were just expected to do science communication, but they didn't really have the training for it. Whereas now you can actually do science communication as a career. So, again, have a look for those sorts of courses if it's something that's interesting for you. And you can also try like just doing a night class as well or something. You know, I, I did life drawing as a night class just to um, practice my drawing skills before I went over to art college. Um so if it's something that you want to pursue, maybe dip your toe in the water a little bit first and see if it is something that you really enjoy before diving right in. So it equally sounds um, inspirational
0: to come from an arts background. You know, what would be the kind of the easy way into sciences if you were more creative, maybe?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not so sure on on that direction, moving from the arts into the science. But I, you know, it is possible as well. Because, um, as I say, on some of these masters programs, I've gone in to speak to the students, and they're not all from a science background moving into art. Some of them are artists, but they're using science for their inspiration for their art practice. So, mm-hmm. um, they're. You know, it, I don't think it really matters. I just think if it's something that interests you then try to explore what the options are out there and you know a master's is a a year it's it seems like a long time but in the grand scheme of things it's not so you know it's not like you're going to lose everything if you do a year master's and then you don't pursue that area yeah yeah
0: so tell me a bit about the technology that you use to produce your animation I'm kind of 30 plus years in the adobe suite and you know, lots of kind of visuals and, and kind of technical things. But what, what would be some tools that would help anyone wanting to produce some animations?
1: Yeah, so um, we still use the Adobe Suite, you know, things like After Effects and Premiere Pro for editing. Uh, initially, again, it depends on the type of animation that you want to create. So if you're doing 2D, something like PowToon or the one that I quite like, it's a sort of whiteboard scribe style animation. It's called VideoScribe and it's a really nice piece of software. It's quite easy to pick up. And then if you're moving into the sort of 3D space, it's more things like Autodesk, Maya, Blender, which there's a free version of Blender Online, um, Cinema 4D, but there's loads and loads of different software programs out there. That's the problem. It's like trying to select which one you like. So again, it's a case of um, exploring the different options and see which one you can pick up. The The Maya programme, you know, it's, it's very complex. Um, it's something that you're not going to pick up overnight, but you can, there's loads and loads of tutorials online, so you can do it yeah. as enough in your spare time. If you're committed yeah. enough, <laughs> you can pick it up. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not, it's not an easy piece of software. However, it has it's very powerful. And then of course now people are using gaming software such as Unity to make kind of that crossover into an actual gaming platform. Although we haven't done that um so far. But you know, serious games is another kind of avenue that I could evolve into. But I'm not really I didn't grow up as a gamer, so <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not something that's um Always interested me, but that's just me personally. I mean, I know that yeah. is a huge area, and in terms of education as well, there's a big a big market there. So
0: yes. So what is next for VIVO Motion? You you're talking about you you do the animations and you're doing a lot of the training and educating. Uh, what else is on the horizon?
1: So I'm trying to through these um, accelerators. I've been on quite a few accelerators now. I have to say, and what they do do is they always it's almost like me going to one of my workshops. It does kind of focus your mind a bit in terms of the direction that you want to go in. So there was one that I went on when I first set up the business and it was a great opportunity. We got to go to San Francisco, Silicon Valley. We visited um, like um Facebook headquarters, Skype and all these um, amazing companies in San Francisco. Um, we went to GitHub as well. That was an interesting experience. But to bring that you know, that information back to the UK and how you can apply it to your business. And then the one that obviously we're both on just now is the NatWest mm. one. And I think with those, it kind of gives you that perspective, right? Where am I now in the business journey and where do I want to go next? So, yes, yeah, so I'm looking a bit at sort of AR, VR in, in terms of developing um, some resources for education. And that, again, is kind of in the process um, at the moment Um also just converting my website into an e-commerce website so that I can sell my workshops um, through that so either to universities but also um, to individuals so yeah. that's kind of what I'm working at at the moment and it takes time to develop these things because what you think is technically easy and it's just a button you press it's not always quite as easy as that so we we like to make we
0: like to make it feel like it's easy but actually that there's lots of work behind the scenes which I'm sure we can both kind of appreciate
1: yeah so that's kind of what I'm working away at at the moment through the accelerator program and you know the business is always evolving it's always changing and I think that's really exciting as well because there's just always new directions, and especially with technology, there's new advances all the time. So yeah, we we did speak before this about AI, and people have started to ask me about that in my workshops as well. So I'm sure before long, there'll be AI resources that I am talking about um, in my training workshops as well. Absolutely. So all of the, all of the uh, mentions
0: uh, will be in the show notes. Vari, um, how can people get hold of you to find out about your workshops or just connect with you um, mm-hmm. from a science or arts kind of perspective? Yeah, so
1: I'm quite active on LinkedIn and my profile there is just uh, Vary Towler. Um, I'm on Instagram as Vivo Motion, Twitter at Vivo Motion and then my website is www.vivomotion.co.uk and if anybody wants to ask any questions, it's Vary at vivomotion.co.uk.
0: Fabulous, right. The links will be in the show notes. And Vari, I just want to say thank you. It's been, you know, from hearing your kind of early farming uh, and kind of creative days. Um, through to, you know, really inspiring experts in the kind of data and, uh, you know, science and arts um, field is incredible. And I look forward to seeing your continued journey um, and uh, the all the inspiring work that you're doing in education as well. It's been great having you on my show. Thank you very much, Lou. You're very welcome. And good luck with the rest of your podcast. Um, we didn't really get a chance to talk about that. Um, yeah. Let, let us know what your um, show is called,
1: Vari. Yeah, it's called Opportunities in Science. So maybe we can put that in the links as well. That Absolutely,
0: Opportun- opportunities in science. Yep. Um, so check out that uh, Vary's podcast. And um, yeah, it's been it's been great chatting, and I'm sure we'll catch up a bit later. Thanks, Lou. Bye. All right. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have recording it. I look forward to have you listening in again for the next episode. And in the meantime, I'd love you to rate, review and download this episode. Thanks again for listening.